The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. And it won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will to His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. We tell ourselves many, many lies so that we don't have to change. Some of the most famous lies that we tell ourselves, I'm discouraged, it's hopeless. That's a lie. It's not hopeless. And discouragement is just a cover so we don't have to do anything. We can sulk in our corner and feel bad and comfort ourselves. There are other lies we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. When if we got really honest, we'd know... We're still just playing games with God because we still love the things of this earth. We still love the the world, the flesh. We still walk in it. We tell ourselves lies like, all I can do is my best and God will have to do the rest. That's a lie. We tell ourselves, God helps those who help themselves. That's a lie. We tell ourselves, I'm tough, I'm strong. I can make it. That's a lie. We tell ourselves many, many lies, and the purpose of that lie is to somehow make ourselves more comfortable in the situation in which we find ourselves so that we don't have to change. We don't have to deal with God. We don't have to... We don't have to really pray because we've got it covered. Now, it's very plain. We don't live forever. All of us are going to die. And it's imperative in this time, while we're alive, that we honestly begin to deal with the lies that we've told ourselves, that we have comforted ourselves with, to justify ourselves to somehow pretend that we're good to go. 
I even hear people say, Oh, if Jesus would just come, I'm tired of this earth. I don't want to live here anymore. I want to go to a better place. When they don't know, because they've lied to themselves, the place where they're going is hell. Because they have not, they have not yet discovered what it means truly to be crucified with Christ and to live clean before him. Now, I'm going to be very frank with you today. Any lie that keeps us from deep, deep prayer is a lie that must be dealt with. Lies will cause us to be casual and lukewarm. Lies will cause us to not be desperate before God. Lies will cause us to pray prayers that will not even pierce the ceiling of the room we're in praying. Lies will cause us to think we need to inform God that he doesn't know. I'm very concerned today. I see the storm coming. I see that we are in the third horse of the apocalypse, the great financial reset. There are many who say, no, 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 pastor. The great reset is not going to happen. We're not in this third horse of the apocalypse. The first horse hasn't even started to ride. A refusal to recognize where we are while famine is rushing upon us, the food chains have been broken. Inflation is skyrocketing. And soon, we will face hunger and deprivation because there is a great reset that is taking place right now. Oh, it may not touch you yet. You may have money for mortgage and car. You may have money to to live and a, a little extra to go buy some things you need. But the debt market has already begun to implode. And the Fed is taking emergency measures to bring the 10-year yield down. We'll know more tomorrow as we see what happens with the stock market. Will it surge? Will the emergency measures taken by the Federal Reserve and the European Federal Reserve, will those... Will those measures work to contain the contagion in the bond market? We don't know. 
but whatever they have done with those emergency measures are simply going to bring even greater inflation. When the bond market, the 10-year yield, implodes, we know the stock market is going to drop 80-90% minimum. Now, I don't mean to go into economics, but you please hear me. The storm is upon us. You will soon not be able to receive your pension money. Oh, you may receive it, but it may not buy anything because inflation is so high. You may still get your Social Security check, But what will it buy when a loaf of bread costs $100? Please hear what I'm saying to you today. We need to open our eyes and open our hearts and begin to see the battle that is being waged against us by criminal enterprises. I'm not going to identify them. If you have a mind, you can quickly for yourself determine who I am referencing as a criminal cabal. And you will recognize that there must come a change. And so we face having to decide whether we will be honest with God about our lies, whether we will tell the truth and face the truth. The children of of Judah faced a very difficult time in the book of Second Chronicles. And in this difficult time, they, they tell us very clear, clearly what steps we need to pursue right now as we face the storm that is breaking over America and over the entire world right now. This world is not my home. I'm an alien and a stranger here. And all of my trust and all of my confidence is in the man, Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. My eyes are upon him. I cannot deliver myself from this vast army that is coming against us. And so Second Chronicles the 20th chapter. Jehoshaphat, the king, receives word that a vast army is already at Engedi, not far from Jerusalem. And that vast army intends to take captive and to destroy the Jewish people. That vast army plans on taking Jerusalem for itself, ravishing the women, killing the men, 
And when Jehoshaphat gets this word, he is very alarmed. He does not pretend that it's not so. He does not ignore the storm that is coming upon him. He does not say, I can't see the army coming. I don't see the dust of the army. No, the sky is blue and clear and the sun is out and everything seems to be quite normal. No, an army is coming. And so he takes several steps that I think it would be wise for you or for me to take. In fact, I am taking these steps. Number one, let me read it for you. Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verse 3. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. So don't take my word for what I have shared with you about the storm that is coming. Ask the Lord. Inquire of the Lord God of heaven. What is happening? What am I to do? How do I care for my family? And one of the questions that I'm asked over and over, what do I do with my money? Well, please, the real issue is not what you're to do with your money. The real issue is what are you to do with your heart? What are you to do with the love you have for the world? What are you to do with your love of ease? and comfort. What would the Lord have you do? He resolved to inquire of the Lord. Now the next thing he did, he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The next thing I've been doing is declaring a fast For Pastor Ray. You see, when I'm happy, eating, comfortable, able to pay the bills, it's easy to go to sleep, to become lukewarm. It's hard to be lukewarm when you're fasting. Your stomach is growling. Your stomach is saying, feed me, feed me. And you take that physical hunger and you channel that physical hunger into your spirit and let it ascend before God. And you become desperate for God desperate to understand, desperate for an answer, for what shall I do? Some of you are concerned about, well, pastor, should I get out of the stock market? If I were a financial analyst, I would say absolutely. If you're wise, you'll get out. If you're wise, you'll put away some food. And you'll do anything else the Lord leads you to do. But that's not the first, that's not the first barrier you must face. 
the first barrier you must face is your own comfort and your own selfishness and your own desire that life would continue as it is now. Life is not going to continue. It is going to dramatically and totally change between now and the fall. You are going to see things and you are going to experience things that will be terrifying to you and your family. Now already, with just the level of tension, violence, lack that I'm already seeing in the lives of people, I can tell you as a pastor that I'm having to deal with a great deal more mental instability. People calling, saying crazy things. People panicked. People angry. Some people twisted. Bitter. They want to They want to burn. They want to savage. They become like beasts. We're going to see a great deal more of that in America. Craziness. I'm not talking here about the struggle physically with brain fog or some other physical ailment. I'm talking about people who are losing it. Who are being oppressed. Who don't know where to turn. Who are panicked. Who are discouraged and who who are hopeless and who say, "What, what use is all of this? I might as well just die. Or they're striking out in rage and anger at, at somebody else and saying harsh and bitter things to them. The first step is to stop lying about what's happening. The next step is to go inquire of the Lord. To get on your face before God and say, this is how I'm feeling This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm seeing. Now, Lord, would you make sense of this for me? What do you want me to do? Some of you, he'll say, move. And you'll say, oh, but I'm comfortable here. Is that what it's about, being comfortable? Or being where God calls you to be? doing what God calls you to do. So the first step is to inquire of the Lord. The next step is to fast. Cut out the sugar. Cut off the bread, the carbs. Have a diet like like Daniel. Vegetables, some protein. Let your mind clear. Some of you are addicted to sugar. 
You're addicted to eating. You're going to have to get a clear mind before God. And when you fast, your mind begins to clear so that you can see more clearly the reality of your situation. We fast in order to humble our hearts before God. We want to walk before him with no pride, no arrogance. We want to be washed from every known sin. Jesus only knows one way to deal with sin. He says, cut it off. So if you're walking in sin, as you begin to fast, the first thing you're going to have to do is give up your evil ways. You're going to have to renounce those things that you have been doing and saying. And then in fasting, we must do what Jonah did in Jonah 3, 5 through 7. We must begin to pray in desperation. Now he does another thing. He calls the assembly of the people together. And you may need to be in a church that knows the times, that is not lying and saying everything will continue as it always has. No, no, don't worry about the the four horses of the apocalypse. They haven't even begun to happen yet. We're going to be raptured out of here before anything can happen, before any suffering takes place. Liar, liar, liar. You need to be a part of a fellowship that recognizes the hour in which we live, a fellowship that will speak a straight, honest word to your heart. But you're going to have to become alarmed before you'll take any of these steps. Why would you inquire of the Lord if there's no alarm in your heart? Why would you pray if you don't need to? I have found that people simply don't pray unless they have to pray. A certain level of alarm has to rise in a person's heart before they'll finally get serious and pray. Otherwise, they're just going to say little la-la prayers. Pray for Aunt Jan's toe or Aunt Sally's whatever, not serious prayers, not prayers that touch the throne of God. So you're going to have to allow your heart to stop lying to you, and you're going to have to allow your heart to become alarmed And that alarm will begin to drive you to seek Jesus. 
to ask, how do I handle this? What do I do? Now I want to interpose something very briefly here. It is possible for you to face whatever situation you face. And to say, no problem, I can handle that. And then you implement your human decision. And if you're sensitive to the Spirit of God, and I recognize as I'm speaking to you that many of you are not sensitive to the Spirit of God at all. But if you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you go about resolving your own issues, you will feel in the Spirit a grieving of God's heart. you will begin to experience a disappointment about you in God's heart. I shared recently something that I had done that was not in any way sin, but it was simply a reaching out to take care of myself. When I have a vow with the Lord that I will only receive from his hand what he chooses to give to me, And instead, I saw an opportunity, and I just reached out and picked it. And when I went to bed that night, Holy Spirit, I could feel his grief in what I had chosen to do. And I had to repent quickly of it. And I had to confess it to others and say, this is what I did. And it grieved the Holy Spirit. I want all of you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want you to learn, if you don't already know, I want you to come into a relationship with Jesus that is such that if you take your own course of action, Isaiah 50, verses 11 and 12, when you walk in the darkness and you don't have any light and you're not quite sure what to do and you see an opportunity and you just reach out and grab it, Isaiah says, when you do that and you light your own torch, you'll lie down in torment. I want you to learn, as I've had to learn the hard way, to grow up in Jesus and be sensitive to his Holy Spirit so that when I say something or I do something that grieves his heart, I instantly feel and know his disapproval and his grief over what I have said or what I have done. Part of what I pray when I come to this radio broadcast is that I will not say or do anything on this broadcast that would cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved from me. I'm very conscious when I'm in this studio, especially of the mighty, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit as he flows 
the words and the concepts through me that he wants you to know and to hear. It's not my purpose to in any way dishonor the name of Jesus, but rather to speak to you in such a manner that he will be well pleased. I want to know that pleasure God has in my being obedient to him. I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. I belong to Jesus. Do you? Have you made that agreement with God? Have you entered into covenant with the Lord that you will only receive from his hand what he chooses to give you? When you begin to sense that God has been grieved, it will cause alarm in your heart. But if you're just rolling on with your life and your religion, everything's cool. You got it covered. You'll never sense when God is displeased with you. An alarm will not be in your heart. This is a spiritual battle that we're facing. So Jehoshaphat, he's alarmed. His nation is threatened. Your family is threatened right now in America. It's threatened in the schools of our nation. It's threatened in the courts of our nation. It's threatened in the grocery stores of our nation. It is threatened on every hand. We are seeing the storm brought by God to stop America and shut us down. We are seeing the judgments of God. And if you are not aware enough in the Holy Spirit to know when God is displeased with you, you are in even more trouble than what I've been able to describe. Read carefully Hebrews, the third and fourth chapters. So Jehoshaphat is very alarmed and he resolves to inquire of the Lord. What does it mean to resolve? I absolutely have no choice. I am going to do this. It doesn't matter how much time it takes. It doesn't matter how much money it takes. I am resolved. I am going to seek the Lord regardless of schedules with other people. I am going to give myself now to seeking the Lord. I said to a dear brother that I love this morning when we spoke on the phone, I said, you really only have one choice. You've got to pray. 
You must resolve to seek the face of the Lord. You must hear what he wants you to do. Oh, he's an action person. He doesn't want to spend more time studying the scriptures. He wants to go do something for God. Well, you know the greatest thing you can do for God? You can minister to him. You can come into his presence. You can seek his face. You can be intimate with him. Hebrews 4. You can enter into his rest by obeying everything he's asked you to do and to be. But that will cause you to inquire of the Lord, to resolve that you will seek the face of God until he very clearly indicates what he wants you to do with your money, with your time, with your energy, with your house, with where you live, with what you're about, with your life. Resolve to ask the Lord. And then proclaim a fast. Only water, or maybe tea or coffee, but no sugar, no cream. 24 hours, minimum. Or intermittent fasting, 18 hours. Fast for a period of time. My favorite fast is a five-day water fast. It's not easy when you're working. You begin to get weak. But then you have to depend more on the Lord. Fast. Humble your heart before God. Ask him to cleanse you from every known evil way in your heart, every evil thought, every evil action. Ask him to wash you, to cleanse you, to take away the crazy thoughts from your mind, to to uncover every lie you've been telling yourself and, yea, even your family. We especially like to lie to our families. Because when we tell lies to our family and when we tell lies to ourselves, we don't have to change what we're doing. We can continue on the course that we're currently on. And it's much more comfortable to not have to change. I know. But God will call us to change. And then comes just the final urgent cry to the Lord God of heaven. Where all we can do is lay on our face before him and say, if you don't deliver me, I'm going to die. 
I cannot deliver myself. My situation is hopeless. It's beyond hopeless. I can't do it. If you don't rescue me, I cannot be rescued. And some of you are just going to continue down the road that you're on. And you'll listen to a message like this and you'll turn it off and say, no, that's enough of that. I'm not going to change. Then you will lie down in torment. You see, I, I look at what's coming and I don't know what to do. Oh, we can put away a little food. You could even put away a little gold or silver. Bottom line, you can't save yourself. I can't save myself. I can't continue this radio broadcast on my own. I am, I am humbled every month with the recognition that I have no ability to pay for this radio broadcast. I can't continue it on my own. And so I have to become alarmed and I have to cry out to God and I have to fast and I have to ask him, what is your will? What do you want? I will do whatever you tell me. That's what I do when I call the assembly together. When I call you and say, if you'd like to help cover the cost, would you do that? We need the Lord and we need each other. There's a great work of ministry that's desperately needed in our land. A standard of holiness must be lifted up. The kingdom of God must be established in America. But the only way that can happen is the assembly coming together, alarmed, fasting, praying, calling upon the name of the Lord, confessing our own weakness, confessing our own inability, humbling our hearts before him, repenting of all known sin, turning aside from it, putting it away, and urgently calling upon the Lord. That is what we must do. So I'm wondering today, what lies have you been telling yourself? What lies have you believed that allow you to continue being comfortable and worldly? What lies are you telling yourself about what's happening in America so you don't need to be concerned? Oh, everything's going to be all right. That's a lie. 
Oh, life is just going to continue in America as it always has. That's a lie. The supply chains are not broken. We're going to have a, plenty of food in the grocery stores. That's a lie. What lies are you telling yourself so you don't have to change what you're doing? You don't have to look for another church because where you're going, you enjoy the social milieu. You enjoy the little humor skits. You enjoy the the little sentimental teachings. You You like the jokes. You like the guys talking about the sports. You like to laugh and joke and play around. What lies have you been telling yourself that you can continue in this wicked live to see a church and you don't have to be on fire? You don't have to stir your heart up. You don't have to seek after Jesus. What lies have you been telling your family so that they don't move either? My heart is crying out to God. I know that he alone can rescue the American church. The American church is in full-blown apostasy. It is dead. It is filled with entertainment. It is filled with foolishness. I just tuned in to listen to a famous pastor as they introduced him to be the speaker at a great mega church. They spent 15, 20 minutes lauding this man as though he were Jesus, expounding on what a great man this was, how blessed we are to have him in our pulpit today. It was sickening. I turned it off. I wanted to vomit. There was no presence of God there. And probably once he began speaking, he might have spoken for 15 or 20 minutes, about as long as the introduction was for him. And then they have all of this special music, the the band and the, the orchestra. and the... Are you kidding me? Are we the Kennedy Center? Are we the... Are we the place for the show? Is that what we've become? Yes, it is what the church has become in America. No bite, no fire, no brimstone. Just soft, loving, tolerant messages. No one ever stops to talk about what happened Sodom and Gomorrah or during Noah's day. Jesus is not a tame wolf. Judgment is coming. He is bringing first the storm. And then he's bringing the judgment. And I need a refuge from the storm. And the only refuge I know is Jesus Christ, 
not the Jesus of the modern church, but the Jesus who is righteous, who is holy, who removes all sin from your heart by his precious blood, who takes from you the old man of wickedness and transforms you into a man or woman of God. We're going to have to deal with these issues. There's going to have to be lit in your heart a fire, a fire that burns with humility, with repentance, with an urgent call upon God to forgive and to make clean. because you intellectually have a great deal of information about Jesus, do you think that that will save you? Do you think an intellectual eschatology, where you have studied Revelation and you've looked at the charts and you know all about it, do you think that's going to save you? You're a prophecy watcher. Do you think that's going to save you? No, it's not. There's only one thing that's going to save you, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your heart to wipe away the lies you've lived in, to bring you to a position of being alarmed about your salvation. Alarmed about your standing before God. Alarmed about your church. Resolving to inquire of the Lord and let him tell you about your situation before Almighty God. And you're going to have to fast. You're going to have to let the Lord Have at your heart. This battle is one you must engage in. You must face it. You must deal with it. And you must turn aside from wickedness. I can't begin today to tell you how serious my heart is, how concerned I am for you and for the American church, how concerned I am about my own life and the shallowness of my understanding. I need much more of Jesus, and I am seeking him with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my spirit. I am very concerned by the resistance to prayer, by the childish prayers that are offered, by the gimme, gimme, gimme prayers, by the thank you, thank you, thank you, God prayers. Now I'm good to go. 
we have been the victims of our own lies. We're out of time for the broadcast today. I'm going to continue this story of Jehoshaphat tomorrow. I'd love to hear from you. Would you write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Thank you, the many of you who have written, who are already beginning to cover the cost of radio for this month. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. And you can see the many other resources we have there available for you, including an internet radio with many, many messages that you can listen to. My brother, my sister, God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you will become alarmed with me. I'll talk to you soon. Of his glory.